0: This past week, the Lord just spoke to my heart about something, we, something else that's very important for us on this journey, to share that with you all. First of all, how many are on a journey, right? We're pilgrims, the Bible says. We're on a journey, and it's called a great journey. Turn with me to Isaiah 57 before I give you the title here. Isaiah 57 is a verse I shared two weeks ago, and it really kind of stuck in my mind because You know, you see a lot of people, even a lot of Christians, in this state because this journey that we're on, in fact, it says here in Isaiah 57, it's called a great journey or a difficult journey. It seems hard sometimes, it's a long journey. It says in Isaiah 57 in verse 10, it says this. I'll read from the King James. It says, Thou art wearied. In the greatness of thy way, this is Isaiah fifty-seven ten. Thou art wearied in the greatness of thy way; yet settest thou not. There is no hope. How many felt like saying that at times? How many felt like saying, "There is no hope." What's the purpose of going on? Have you ever come to that point before? I know I have. I think, what what what's the purpose of it all? But it says here, because you didn't say that. Now, let me say something important, first of all. It's it's uh, one thing to think a thought. It's another thing to say it. How many know there's a difference? How many know there's power of life and death in the tongue? You see, it's one thing to think a thought. And I'm sure, uh, you know, if right now if all of our thoughts just came out of our, out of our mouth, we'd be in a lot of trouble, wouldn't we? <laughs> Thank God we know how not to speak everything that comes up here, you see. And it's important because sometimes those thoughts aren't really even our thoughts. I think it was Martin Luther that said this. He said, thoughts, bad thoughts, evil thoughts that come, they're like birds flying around our head. That's Okay. As long as they don't make a nest there. <laughs> and the way they can make that nest is when we begin to speak out those thoughts. So it's very important. And this is something very simple, very basic. But because it says there, because you didn't actually say it with your mouth, then this, because you did not say there is no hope, you have found the life of your hand. And you were not grieved or discouraged. There is hope for our journey. Amen. And in fact, the, the word I want to give you today, and I want to call it the most important word for our vocabulary, and that's the word joy. Can you all say that? Joy. Okay, it's a three letter word. It's really, really simple, not real complicated, but we're going to see something unique in God's word. Joy is necessary for the journey. The title of my message is Joy for the journey. Joy is necessary for this journey. We need that. Romans chapter 15. Look how Paul prays. And this is a good verse. In fact, how many found some of Paul's prayers in in the New Testament reading through? Have you seen some of the prayers he prays? You know, it's very interesting because Paul, you know, he's writing, God's given him New Testament doctrine, New Testament revelation. And in most of his epistles, he begins by saying, hey, I need to pray first. I need to pray. And this is how I'm praying for you. And very often, the way he prays to open that letter, uh, his epistle, is how the rest of the letter opens up. And so this is one of Paul's prayers. It's a very beautiful prayer to pray one for another. Let's read it together. Romans 15 and verse 13. Romans 15 and verse 13. It says this. Now the God of hope. Can you read it with me? Now the God of hope fill you with what? All. All. I'm going to say all all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. So this thing of losing hope, this thing of getting discouraged, this thing of of, of just wanting to quit, Paul's praying. He says, I'm praying a God of all hope. How many know God has hope for us? (laughs) <laughs> we don't have hope for ourselves. God's got a lot more hope for you than you have for your own self. He's the God of hope, and he's going to fill you, this is Paul's prayer, with all joy. With all joy in your belief. And how many, have, someone asks you how you're doing, you say, well, I'm fine under the circumstances. What are you doing under there, right? <laughs> What are you doing there? You know, that we, sometimes we say things like that. We'll say expressions or, we're, or, or we're, we'll say, well, I'm just hanging on, brother. Just hanging on. Paul's praying. There's something that goes beyond this. He says, I'm praying that God will fill you with joy. Say joy with me. Joy. Okay. And peace in believing. In your believing. Faith that will have joy and peace. How many know that joy is contagious? Amen? I don't know why this is, but sometimes when we're feeling down, we want to get next to somebody else that's feeling down too. Does that make any sense? Have you heard that expression, misery likes company? Uh, what is that? Why would we want to get next to someone who's, you know, and we start start talking about all oh, the woes and all the problems of life, and, and then I tell you my problem, and you say, well, yeah, but I had this problem, and then I come back and say, you know, I had this one also, and we start talking about it until we're all about ready to, to fall on the floor and in a total collapse. I tell you the best thing to do whenever you're feeling discouraged, the best thing to do is find someone that has some joy and kind of rub up next to them kind of rub up next to them. It's contagious. Amen? Amen. And so, all joy and peace in your believing. Okay, there's a verse. We're not going to look at it, but the joy of the Lord is your? Okay. Amen. You know, I want to show you some things. Not, I'm not a Hebrew and a Greek scholar, but how many know there's a lot of resources out there? How many understand that language is important? You know, when I began to study Spanish, when I was on the, on a the mission field, I was in Puerto Rico there, and I began to study the language and get into it. I was given a book, a pastor that uh, the ministry I was involved in. And he said, "If you learn," they had just opened up a work in Puerto Rico. He said, "If you learn Spanish, I'll send. We'll send you to Puerto Rico." Oh boy, I was excited about that. And he went out and he bought me a book, Hugo's Spanish in Three Months. Now, how many know that doesn't work? <laughs> I'm still trying to learn things, but you know, I begin to realize language is interesting. And turn with me to 1 Corinthians 2. And I, uh, the Bible says it's the glory in Proverbs, it says, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it's the glory of kings to search it out. And there are things in God's word uh, that are hidden jewels, hidden gems there. But here's a key I just want to share this with you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it starts off by saying in verse 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9, it says, But as it is written, as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things. Everybody say things. I like that word. The things that God hath prepared for them that... Love him, Verse 10. But God hath revealed them. So he began by saying, quoting from the Old Testament, there's things we haven't seen, eyes, ears, hasn't even entered into the heart, but God wants to reveal them to us. How many know there's more to find out about God in this journey down here? There's a lot more to find out. He says, God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. And he says this in verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, But the Spirit, which is of God, that we might know the things, everybody say things, that are freely given to us of God. What are those things, right? Verse 13, which things also we speak. Now listen to this. Not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but what the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual Another translation says, combining spiritual realities, I think that's the NIV, combining spiritual realities with spiritual words. There are things about God that we understand down here. In the New Covenant, God says he's going to write things on our heart, and he's going to put things in our mind. He wants to get both. It's not enough just to say, well, I think, you know, I got some idea, God is fantastic. It's wonderful when you can get into the Word and really understand more. And just seeing some of the original language words. And how many have a different, how many have the NIV translation? How many of you have the New Living Translation? A few of you have that. How many have New American Standard? Yeah, there's different translations. They're all good because the language God chose to communicate to us with and his word is a very rich language, a rich language of Hebrew for the Old Testament and Greek for the New Testament. Sometimes a few words in English just don't make up the same word uh, that we can understand from the actual translation. So I like to search out these things. Okay, if we do that a little bit this morning, real quickly, I want to give you a few Greek words, and, 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 and at the end, if you say, it's all Greek to me, that's fine. But uh, actually, I'm going to start with Hebrew, a Hebrew word for for rejoice. Oh, I like this one. I like this one. You got it there? It's the word. Now, I actually went online. You can look online. You can actually find out how to pronounce these things, okay? So this is the word Giel. Can you say that? Gil, okay. And what it means, it's a Hebrew word. It's translated in your Bible in most of the translations that you use here. It's translated there as joy or rejoicing, but that's not what the Hebrew word really means. It means this: to spin around under the violence of any violent emotion. Can I do that in church? Y'all got scared when I did that, right? How many have heard of holy rollers? Okay, well, we might start some of that. I don't. To. But to spin around, we're, ta- we're talking about not simply a smile on your face. We're talking about a, 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 an, an emotion. How many know that God has emotions, right? Where that ever got drained out of the church, I don't know. But God is emotional. In fact, this word gil is seen actually in, we can read it in Zephaniah 3.17. Let's put that verse up real quick. Zephaniah 3.17, because I want you to see this is how God is. God is joyful and not just joy where he sits on a throne and smiles at us. He literally Jumps up and down. And this is the word he chose to communicate to us with. Spin around under violent emotion. Read this verse with me. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. Oh, look at this. He will joy over thee with singing. Oh, my goodness. That word joy is the word gil. Can you say gil? Okay, now you know a Hebrew word. You're really getting smart today. Gil. And it means to jump up and down. Now, that word's kind of meaningful to me because when my daughter was born, or uh, we, well, before she was born, we were looking for a name for her. And, you know, how many, ever, how many of your parents got name books when you're going to get ready for your first baby, right? Now you can just go online. We got this name book, and I was going through it, and I just said, okay, I'm just going to start looking for a name for our daughter. And I uh, opened it up. The very first word, in fact, I have a picture of it. I took a picture of that page. The very first word, first name on that page uh, of girls' names was Abigail. And I said, what does it mean? What's that name mean? And it means this, my father's rejoicing. Now, not just smiling because a daughter is born, but literally jumping up and down. Now when my son was born I already knew about this when he was born I got so excited I was coming to see him this was when we were living in Florida at the time we were coming to see him I got into the uh got into the elevator I was going up the steps and I got so excited just think I'm going to see my son I'm going to see my son and I began jumping up and down in the elevator which is something you probably shouldn't do <laughs> It got stuck between floors <laughs> I literally had to pry, I didn't know what, I didn't didn't want to push, I was too embarrassed to push it. But I I finally pried the doors open somehow and squeezed through between the floors and and got there, but uh, I understood this, so when I saw my daddy is rejoicing, and I already knew what that word gil, the name Abigail is Abba Gail, which is my daddy, Abba, Abba Father, my daddy's jumping up and down with joy. So, Abigail, or Gael is the word for rejoicing. God is full of joy over you. Say that with me. He will joy over thee with singing. Is that the, have the verse there again? He will joy over thee with singing. Can you imagine? Just close your eyes for a minute. Imagine. God gave us an imagination. Let it be formed by the word of God. Imagine God right now just looking at you, jumping up and down. Imagine God rejoicing over you. Hallelujah. The moment you became His child. Bible says all the angels in heaven rejoice. Amen? Okay. Another word I want to go to the, to the Greek language. I'm going to give you two words. I had fun with this word. Let me see if I can say it right. This next Greek word. Um, it's Agali Ao. Can you say that with me? Agali a o. oh Say it again. Agali, uh uh-oh. Okay. That's how how it literally is pronounced. Agali. I I had fun saying it. Agali, uh uh-oh. And what does that mean? That means to jump for joy also. To jump for joy. Look with me in Luke chapter 10 in verse 21. Luke chapter 10 in verse 21. We see Jesus is doing this very thing. Luke chapter 10 in verse 21, the disciples had he had sent them out to to uh to preach the gospel, he had sent them out two by two, and they came back. As there were actually seventy disciples at that point in time. Uh there were the twelve, but there were others also that were that he had sent out. And they came back. It says they returned. And, and verse 17, the seventy returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject to us through thy name. In verse 18. It says, Jesus says, uh, he, he said, I beheld Satan like lightning fall from heaven. I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions. He says, don't rejoice just in that, in verse 20, but rejoice because your names are in heaven. And then what does Jesus do in verse 21? In that hour, what did he do? He rejoiced in spirit. And that's the word agali, uh-oh, agali, uh-oh. He began to j- jump up and down and leap for joy. You know, there was a... Uh, uh, a man by the name of Richard Wormbrandt. He was uh, b- tortured for his faith. And what they were trying to do is break these people down where they would deny their faith and do it publicly. And their tortures, they, they would do some horrible things to these men. And one of the things that Richard mentions in his book is that one of the things they continually looked for in each other is if there was still a little bit of humor left, if they could still tell a joke, if they could still laugh, and when they noticed one of their companions in prison there that was starting to lose a little bit of that joy, they realized this person's about ready to crack. They're about ready to crack. They're, they're going to they're give up. And that happened to many of them. They would go on go on radio and deny Christ, and it was just a sad time. And, and that's what, really what the goal was, to torture them to the point where they would quit, where they'd just stop and they would deny their faith. At one point, they had actually thrown Richard Wormbred in a solitary confinement. And he was there for three months in a hole that he couldn't even see. They would throw him bread and drop down water. It smelled. It was horrible. For three months, he was in solitary confinement. And there were times he talks about he couldn't even hardly move. And he felt like his mind was leaving him. And he didn't know what to do. And so uh, he was coming to that. He would recite verses. You can hear he tells about how he recites verses and tried to maintain his faith and integrity. But there in that three months of solitary confinement, he was just about ready to lose it all. And right at the very end point, a verse was spoken to him. And that verse was from Luke chapter 6. And it says, in the day that they persecute you, leap for joy. How many read that verse? Right. Leap for joy. So there he is. He's in the bottom of this pit. And he's, you know, hardly have any strength at all even to move. And he hears this word leap for joy. You you think he feels like leaping right now? Not too much. He began to wonder whether it was even God speaking to him. But he decided he was going to try. So he bounced a little bit. And when he did that, a joy began to come. And he bounced a little bit more bounced a little bit more and began praising God. Pretty soon, he was up on his feet jumping and shouting and dancing and calling out to God and praising God, filled with joy. And as he was doing that, the guards heard this noise down there, and they said, oh, no, this man's lost his mind. He won't be of any use to us. So they ran out and got him a big plate of cheeses and meats and fruits and all kinds of things and took it down to him, and he had a big feast right there. (laughs) You know, joy is important. Joy is important. Another word for joy is the word... Okay, get ready for this one. Clear your throats. This word is the word hara. Can you say that? Hara. That's hard to say. Not just the word joy. What's interesting about that word for joy, cheerfulness, delight, and gladness, is that it's related directly with another word. Haris. Haris is the word for grace. Think about that for a minute. They're both related to the same root word, hara and haris. Uh, it relates to the word grace. So what do you think that tells you? There's grace. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen. Turn with me to Psalm 89. But there's a lot in these words that help us understand a little bit of the character of God, a little bit of his character. Um, What I want to look at is Psalm 89. It says this. Psalms 89, starting with verse 15, says this. Read this with me. Blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. Say that again. Blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. They shall walk, O Lord, in the light of thy countenance. Hallelujah! The, the joyful sound. That word in the Hebrew, and I'm going to have Andy demonstrate this for me. I was going to have him do it without telling you, but I think we need to prepare you for it. The word for joyful sound is also is the same word for jubilee. Can you say jubilee? jubilee. Yeah, we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But the word joyful sound literally means the word ta 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 uh, I can't say it here. Tarua, tarua, and what does it mean? Come over here, you better, yeah, you better st- st- stay there, but everybody get ready, okay? The word tarua means to split the ear with sound, a loud, triumphant shout of joy, a strong. <laughs> <laughs> a trumpet blast. That's literally what the word means. That's that joy that's a shout of joy that's so loud it splits your ears. But this is what you find. You find in a book of uh, Psalms, Psalms is not a nice, quiet, peaceful little book, is it? It's full of all kinds of make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Make a joyful noise, it says in Psalm 66, and put glory, or make his praise glorious. Put glory in his praise. So that joy is important. Our our relationship with the Lord is not sitting down and meditating. There's times where we need the joy of the Lord to come and just fill us. What do you think we're going to be doing in heaven? You think we're going to be rejoicing? How many realize that's why we need a new body? (laughs) We can't do it all down here, can we? Our our bodies, I I can't jump like I used to, but boy, wait till we get there. What a day of rejoicing that will be. I want to give you three positions of joy. Three positions of joy. And uh, I want to talk, first of all, about the joy. Bear with me here. The joy that's behind us. I want to talk about the joy that's with us on the journey. And I want to talk about the joy that's set before us. Okay? This word teruah has to do with the word jubilee. It is the word jubilee. And if you turn with me to Leviticus 25, I just want to show you something very interesting about this. The word jubilee means that loud trumpet sound. And... In Leviticus 25, there are some laws that were put in place. Unfortunately, Israel did not follow all these laws. But there were some laws put into place that were very important. And some of these laws reveal something important about what Christ has done for us. But in Leviticus 25, starting with verse 3, there was, first of all, a seven-year cycle that the the Israelites needed to follow. Leviticus 25, starting with verse 3, it says, Six years shalt thou sow thy field, and six years shalt thou prune thy vineyard, and gather the fruit thereof. Verse 4. But in the seventh year... So six years you had to work hard. In the seventh year... It shall be a Sabbath of rest unto the land, a Sabbath for the Lord. Thou shalt neither sow thy field nor prune thy vineyard. Now imagine the faith that would take. You're a farmer, not many farmers. Anybody, any farmers here? Uh, Anybody who's been on a farm before? (laughs) I know Daryl has. He's told me a lot of his experiences growing up. But the farm life is difficult to begin with. Can you imagine a whole year of planting nothing? (laughs) What would happen? How would you make it? Well, turn if you turn a little bit further, I want to show you God's plan here, what he's saying to them. In Leviticus 25, go to verse 20. It says this. And basically, God is teaching them obedience. How many know that if you obey what the Lord says, even if it doesn't make sense up here, when you obey him, there is blessing. Is that right? Okay. Verse, in verse uh, 20, Leviticus, I'm sorry, I lost my pleasure. Verse 20, and if you shall say, what shall we eat the seventh year? Listen to this now. Behold, we shall not sow nor gather in our increase. What's going to happen? Verse 21. This is what God says. This is what God says. Then I will command. I love that word for blessing. I will command my blessing upon you in the sixth year and it shall bring forth fruit for three years. Go to verse 22. And ye shall sow the eighth year and eat of it of the old fruit until the ninth year until her fruits come in and ye shall eat of the old store. What faith that would take for the Israelites to do something. God was teaching them. You're not living by your own ability to provide for yourself. Pastor Dennis uses the term the cycle of God's sufficiency. This is part of that cycle that if we obey God, there's provision that will come. He's saying, don't sow in that seventh year. I'm going to command blessing. If you obey me, I'm going to command blessing that'll go beyond even the next year. It'll be a triple blessing. How many believe when we obey God, He'll command the blessing? Sometimes we're afraid to step out. Will the water support me? Oh, yeah. I'm going to keep our eyes upon the Lord. He does great things for us. Well, that was the first part of it. And they were to do this a cycle of every seven years, a cycle of that. And then after seven of those seven-year cycles was the year of Jubilee. Oh, you're going to like this one. Let me tell you something. Religious people don't like this concept they will not like it. Because listen to what happens. It says this in Leviticus 25, and we'll read verse 8. Leviticus 25, verse 8. And thou shalt number seven Sabbaths of years unto thee, seven times seven years. Real quick, who's a mathematician? How many years is that? 49. And the space of seven Sabbaths of years shall be unto thee 49 years, verse 9. Then thou shalt... Cause the trumpet of jubilee. We won't have Andy play again. I think that was once is enough, right? (laughs) How many realize a trumpet is loud? Yeah. And he was just doing halfway there. I think he was holding back a little bit. Um, it's a sound on the 10th day of the seventh month. In the day of atonement, you shall make the trumpet sound throughout your land. Now, here's what's going to happen. Let me explain it to you. The moment, now this happened on the day of atonement, when the high priest was entering in the holy place with the blood uh, for the sins of the people. And Jesus is our atonement, isn't he? He's the Lamb sacrifice, his blood. He's a high priest, offered his own blood for us. On that very day, while the priest was going right in there offering that blood, there would be a trumpet blast. And that trumpet blast would sound throughout the land. Everybody heard it. And the moment they heard it, things begin to happen in a very unique way. If you were in debt, all those debts were canceled. How many would like that to happen? Now, religious people don't like this because they say, well, if he's in debt, he's got to pay it all. You know, But we're talking about a different kind of a debt here. We're talking about something very unique. There's a spiritual meaning. How many of you were in debt to the Lord? And sometimes we walk around feeling like we're still in debt because maybe even after we walk with the Lord a little bit, we've had our stumblings and our troubles and our difficulties. You know, and the religious people will say, well, he's messed up. It's going to take him a long time to get back. Oh, no. When that trumpet sounds, it's free, it's free. Not only that, but if maybe you had to sell some of your property, because you had to pay the bills so you sold i mean you sold this part of your property off and and now it belongs to Mr. Smith over there and you sold part of this property off and now it belongs to the Joneses over there and and you're you're there on your little piece of land for you know like 2 by 2 square foot land and you're wondering what's happening in my life i don't have anything left here all of a sudden the trumpet sounds and guess what you can do hey Mr. Smith guess what that land's mine again Mr. Smith is religious. He doesn't like that. The Joneses over here. Hey, this is my land again. We can take back what belongs to us the moment that trumpet sounds. Can you say amen? Amen. That's what the psalmist was talking about when the psalmist said, blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. This is what he was prophesying about. A day of a jubilee in our lives Accomplished by Jesus Christ. He gave his blood for us. He walked in. He paid the atonement. His blood was shed. It's been canceled on the cross. What did he say? It is finished. And the moment that trumpet sounded... That jubilee, the angels are jumping up and down in joy. Sometimes, you know, we don't all see all that, but it was happening in heaven. The moment that happened, there was that forgiveness of debt. Completely. There was that forgiveness, uh, things that were lost. God begins to restore. When Jesus walked into the temple, after he'd been fasting for 40 days, he walked into the, not the temple, but to the synagogue, and he stood there. He opened up the book. He opened up to Isaiah 61. Let's read this. Isaiah 61 in verse 1. Isaiah, and I want to share with you today, if you're here today and you've not heard that trumpet sound for your life, if you've never come to Christ and you've given your life to Him and experienced the blessedness of being forgiven, the blessedness of being released, the blessedness of having the shackles drop down from you, and you know you're free because you're free indeed. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Amen? You know you're free. It's an experience. If you've not had that yet, if you've not heard that trumpet sound, I want to tell you, today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time, Paul says. Today is the day. In Isaiah 61, verse 1, Jesus read these verses. And of course, the people around him, there were religious people there, and they say, who is this, is it Joseph's son? We don't know what he's doing here. He's a carpenter's son. What's he doing here? But Jesus read these words with authority. And he told them when he was finished reading, today these words are being fulfilled. Hallelujah. He says this, and this is referring directly to that year of Jubilee also. It says this, verse 1, Spirit of the Lord of God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Sounds like the day of Jubilee, doesn't it? People are free. Prisoners come out. Debts are canceled. Land, properties all restored. On that moment, on that very moment, can you just imagine, here's that slave, he's been serving, he's had to sell himself for the problems he's had, and he's serving his master, all of a sudden, he, and he knows that trumpet's already, all of a sudden he hears that sound, Do-do-do-do! and he looks at his master, goes, bye-bye, <laughs> the master may try to say, hey, you're my slave, you stay here, uh-uh, hey, didn't you hear the trumpet sound, I'm a free man, The devil tries to keep us all bound up. Our problems try to keep us all bound up. But you know what we got to say? Hey, I heard the trumpet sound. Jesus Christ blew that trumpet for me. He paid the price for me. It goes on to say this in verse 2. To proclaim... To proclaim the acceptable or the favorable year of the Lord. Referring prophetically to that year of Jubilee that we experience when we're born again. The born again experience when we become a child of God. The past debts are released. Can you say amen? amen? Passed out of darkness into his marvelous light. Out of death into life. In a moment. The moment that trumpet sounds for you. The moment that trumpet sounds for you. Jesus read these verses. He goes on even a little bit more in verse 3. Listen to this. Sometimes as Christians, we need to remember that trumpet sound again. That's why we're talking about the joy that's behind us. Uh, Those of you that have experienced that new birth and you know you've been, you know, a lot of people are bound by sins they can't get free from because they don't realize they really have been set free. They keep go back and re- in their guilt. They go back revisiting those, those problems and those situations. And they can never get themselves free from those shackles because they forgot the sound of the trumpet. They forgot that trumpet blast. Blessed are the people, say it with me, blessed are the people that know the joyful sounds. We, When we get to know it, we're familiar. When we remember it, David says, Lord, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Lord, restore that back to me, Lord. And, and uh, he goes on in verse 3. He says Jesus didn't read all of this, but this is the rest of it, what he was reading in front of those people. It goes on to say, to appoint them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes. Everybody say ashes. How many know he can turn ashes into beauty? When that trumpet sounds, oil of joy for mourning, garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, hallelujah, that the, that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. In verse 61, talks about rebuilding the wastelands, restoring the things that, that have been desolated. It's come back. The land is ours again. Uh, the devil tried to take things away. We're going to take it back because we heard the joyful sound. Can you say amen? That's the joy that's behind us. Read that verse one more time with me in Isaiah. and Psalm 89, verse 15. Psalm 89, verse 15. Now, it's a joyful sound when Kyle's up here playing the guitar and singing and we're all singing. That's a joyful sound too. How many know that sound? Andy's up here playing and singing, leading us, others worshiping, singing. That's a joyful sound. All of that's part of it. But the real joy, it's referred to as that joy of salvation, knowing what Christ has accomplished for us. And going back, remembering that's the day. That's the day that trumpet sounded. I'm free. I don't care what Mr. Jones and Mr. Smith says. I don't care what my old master is telling me. I am a free man. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Read this with me one more time, and we'll go to our next point. Psalm 89, verse 15. Blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. They shall walk, O Lord, in the light of thy countenance. If you're finding some of that joy missing, get back to the joy of your salvation. Remember what he brought you out of. Let me take you to a a second point here. The joy that's with us on this journey. And one of the problems, one of the greatest problems the Israelites had, even though God did great things for them, what would they do as they were wandering the wilderness? What would they keep on doing all the time? Murmuring and complaining. I mean, they murmured and complained one time because Oh, the water was bitter. That was the first encounter. The water was bitter. They murmured. They just saw God part the Red Sea. Now they're complaining because the water's bitter. And Moses cries out to God, too. He didn't know what to do. Sometimes, you know, even though Moses looks like the great leader, God had to say, what are you standing there crying for, Moses? Go over there. Get, get, get the tree. Put it in the water and heal the waters. Moses did it. And the waters were healed. They drank. And guess what? They walked a few more steps. And there was already some, some uh, a whole oasis waiting for them. Sometimes we quit too soon, right? Another time they complained and murmured, and uh, there was no water at all to drink. Imagine you're in the desert. They were learning to depend upon God and the cycle of his sufficiency. And they began to complain. Moses took the staff, hit the rock, and water came out of the rock. And the Bible says that rock followed them, and that rock was Christ, it says in 1 Corinthians 10. And then another time, listen to this. Right after the very next chapter, Numbers chapter 21, they're murmuring and complaining again. And as they're doing that, God sent fiery serpents. Now, what would happen right now if, if in our lives if there was a fiery serpent that would come and bite you every time you complained? How many would try to stop complaining? Yeah. But, you know, and the people were dying from this thing, Okay. Uh, murmuring and complaining is an evil disease. Can you say amen to that? Like I said, it's one thing to say in your mind, there's no hope, this is all messed up, there's no, i well just quit. It's one thing to think thoughts like that, and it's another thing to begin speaking it out. Because then not only are you polluting your own self, you're polluting others. Very important thing. Murmuring was, in fact, in 1 Corinthians 10, it says, don't murmur like they murmured. That happened for an example for us upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Don't murmur like they did. Well, God sent fiery serpents, and the people repented, but God didn't take away the fiery serpents. He told Moses, take a bronze serpent, and if anybody gets bitten, let them come over here and take a few moments and think about it all. (laughs) And then they would be healed the moment they saw that serpent. Well, Jesus is that serpent lifted up for us, the Bible says in John 3. Like Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, Jesus was lifted up for us. No reason for complaining and murmuring. You know, in whatever situation we're like, Richard Wormbrandt learning to leap for joy. It says in, uh, the, uh, agali, uh-oh. Can you say that with me again? Agali, uh-oh. Agali, uh-oh. And it means to jump for joy. It says in 1 Peter chapter 1. If we could look at this. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 6. It says, when you're going through trials, it's your faith that's being tested. And it says, wherein you greatly rejoice. <laughs> That's that same word, a Where wherein you greatly rejoice. And go on, to verse uh, seven, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. And read verse. I love verse eight. Verse eight is a is a is a life verse. If you want to take it today, read this with me. Whom having not seen ye love. Say that with me again. Whom, having not seen, ye love. And whom, though now you see him not, yet believing, you what? Rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory can you say hallelujah <laughs> that's that joy relearning to jump up and down with joy learning to rejoice in the midst of the situation praising god worshiping god but just basically letting his joy fill us very important it's one of the fruits of the spirit is my am i right is love what It's second on the list. What does that tell you? It's got to be important. Love, joy, peace. It's very important for us to have that fruit actually growing in our lives. I was so blessed. My wife and I were both blessed. We went to visit Peggy. She had flatlined in the hospital. And uh, she had a heart. I mean, she was gone. They brought her back and revived her, of course. We went and saw her. We We weren't sure what we were going to see. The moment we walked in that room, big smile on her face. What does that tell you? Someone just died on the table. They got a big smile the next day. There's an important thing about having joy in our life, in spite of our circumstances, in spite of the fires. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were going through their fiery trial, what did they do? They were rejoicing. In fact, it says the king looked inside and he saw they were in that fire. Even the men that threw them in there burned up. When they looked inside, they saw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and somebody else in there dancing, one that looked like the son of man, it said. And they were rejoicing in that furnace. And when they finally got got them, I don't even know how they got out of that furnace, but when they came out of that furnace, here's what it says in, in Daniel, in Daniel chapter 3, verse 27. I want you to see this because In in our journey, in the way, we've got to be careful that we don't get burned up with our trials. Look at this. In Daniel chapter 3 and verse 27. I love this. Read this with me. And the princes and governors and captains and the king's counselors being gathered together saw these men, now listen to this, upon whose bodies the fire had no power. Jesus, the Bible says in Isaiah, when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. Walk through the waters, you will not be drowned. But the fire had no power over them. When you're rejoicing in the Lord, it doesn't matter. The fires, the fires of, of all the persecution, problems, trials, difficulties, complexities that come, all of that fire has nothing to do with the fire that's burning inside of you. Amen? Fire had no power over them. Look at, look at this. Nor was a hair of their head singed. Imagine that. Neither were their coats changed. Their garments were even in place. Oh, I like this. Nor the smell of fire had passed on them. Have you met Christians that have the smell of smoke on them? I'm not talking about cigarette smoke. I'm talking about smoke of the trials they've been through. They want to let you know they love God, but boy, have they been through a hard time. And they're going to tell you all about it. Not once, but twice, and three times, and probably you'll hear it again later on. In fact, you can probably tell it to them by the fifth time. Because they smell like smoke, and it's so much smoke, it just even burns your eyes sometimes. But there are Christians that have learned how to get beauty for ashes, how to get the oil of joy of God, how to get the spirit? How to get a mantle of praise for the spirit of heaviness in our journey? There's joy in, in Acts twenty, verse twenty-four. Paul says this. He talks about his life, and he's getting close to the end of his life. But he made this statement. He says, "None of these things move me." Neither count, and this is the secret right here, I don't count my life dear to myself. You see, those who save their own lives will lose it. Those who give it away will find it. He says, I don't count my life dear unto myself so that I might, read this with me, so that I might finish my course with joy. And the ministry too. But I want to finish my course with joy. Oh, what a wonderful day that will be. That brings us to our third point. And uh, the joy that was behind us, the joy that's with us, and there's a joy that's set before us. What a day that will be when we hear the Lord say to us, Well done. Yes. Not, not, not like you've been cooked real good. <laughs> yeah. Well done, good and faithful servant. What is the rest of it? Enter into the joy of thy Lord. You know, I had a question when I was over in India for a while. I had a question and I went to one of the elder pastors there. He's gone to be with the Lord now, but I said, you know, I have a question. You know, the the, the Old Testament saints, they went through a lot. They suffered a lot. They didn't have even what we have. The rewards are going to be different. The Bible says in the New Testament, there's going to be greater things for, for us. I said, what's it going to be like? They didn't even have the baptism in the Holy Spirit. God's provided that for us. I said... What are they going to feel like when they get to heaven? They didn't have the opportunity that we have to receive all that God has. Are people going to feel like that in heaven? Or are some people feel like they're going to have they have less than others. What's it going to be like in heaven? It seems kind of strange to me. And he made a statement to me that was profound. He said this, in heaven, think about this, every cup is going to be full. Think about that. Every cup is going to be full. When John the Baptist was talking about Jesus, he said, the bridegroom, he that has the bride is the bridegroom. And the friend of the bridegroom rejoices to hear his voice. He says, I'm like the friend of the bridegroom. My joy is full. How many know God's called us to be the bride? In heaven, every cup's going to be full. But the question is this, how big is your cup? How big is your cup? That's why Jesus says, like in John 15, in John 15, verse 11, he says, I'm speaking these things that that my joy, that your joy might become full or complete. He says in John 17, I'm praying that my joy may be in them. He he wants us to have an enlarging of joy in our lives. How big is your cup? How big is your cup? Every cup's going to be full, I want a big cup. How about you? Let's all stand. Joy for the journey. There's a joy behind us. Remember today. Remember today that trumpet sound that set you free. Don't ever forget. If it seems like it's far, far away in the past, pray like David did. Lord, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Remember that along the journey, he wants to deposit fresh. He wants to enlarge your joy. And then there's that joy set before us. We're going to see our king face to face. Amen. Pastor David, you come and close us in prayer? How many of you love this man?
1: (laughs) You know what? Sitting here listening to Pastor David today, I thought, I am so thankful that the word is preached in this church. The word of God. I mean, it just flows, just flows. Praise the Lord. Thank you for that message. Praise God. Praise God. The joy of the Lord. Praise God. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you today for giving us a place that's safe. This is a safe house. We thank you that the Word of God reigns in this place, rules in the hearts and lives of people. It is declared from this platform, and we thank you for that. We thank you for giving us uh, men and women of leadership in this church that Lord becomes a great light to this community in this county, and we thank, thank you, you for that. We thank you for what we've heard today. May that word work in us mightily this week. May that word be stirred within us this week. We pray today for our pastor, Dennis and Cindy. Yes, we pray that you will rest them this week. God, we thank you for your great direction, the, the mighty... Sovereignty of God that brought about Pastor Dennis coming here. Yes. Thank you for that. We thank you thank for the you things for the that are going to transpire Jesus. throughout this week as we live this word that we've heard today. We thank, thank you for the things that are going to happen during that school supply giveaway. Thank we thank you, Lord, for the VBS that's yes. going to follow that and the days ahead Yes. where God is going to reveal himself in mighty ways. We thank you again that we can be in a house that is a safe place yes. where, where the word of God is not only is it preached, but it's practiced. Yes. And we thank you for that today. May we go from this place realizing that no matter where we find ourselves, the greater one lives inside of us, and we rejoice in that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Practice that jumping up and down.